Welcome to the Willpower Podcast, where we uncover the secrets of success and share the wisdom of exceptional individuals. I'm your host, William Gomez, and as a real estate professional, I bring you insights from the world of real estate and beyond. Join me as I engage in captivating conversations with incredible guests from diverse backgrounds and industries, from top real estate moguls to trailblazing entrepreneurs and influencers. We dive into the mindsets and habits of successful people. If you love what you hear, don't forget to rate and review. Get ready to be inspired, motivated, and enlightened. Live life today on willpower. Josh Schreiner, dude, thanks so much for coming on. You're welcome. I am so excited to kind of get to know you a little bit better. But for people that don't know you, dude, you're a a beast realtor. You're a top producing agent that is kind of transitioning a little bit to a little bit more flips and stuff, which I want to get into a little bit. Um, Just out of curiosity, um, that I'm sure I, I feel like flips in real estate is just a thing that a lot of people, uh, want to get into. And so I kind of want to hear your journey on it. And I appreciate, you know, people are always like, you know, do I need to prepare for anything? I didn't tell you anything, but you went ahead and got a perm got for a this perm podcast. In preparation. <laughs> I knew I needed to do something big and I thought, why not just go with a perm? <laughs> <laughs> something no one does i'm curious of how many people used to get perms and how much that has decreased oh, from I like asked the her. 80s oh you did what, yeah, did, what I was asked that her she's been doing it since 87 she said people <laughs> did it all through up until like 2002 <laughs> and then it's been i think everyone just completely stopped until maybe the last few years so this must this might be our most viewed podcast because people will. are going to be like Okay, I got to see this perm. We're going to be talking about <laughs> hair, real estate. No, I'm saying most people just listen to it. Yeah. But but people are going to be like, I got I got to see I got to see the actual the actual perm. I've here. been trying to tell everyone and Kate hates it. Kate, my wife, she hates it, but I just tell everyone like, how did you not notice this has been my natural <laughs> hair? And I just gaslight people and it's the best <laughs> little experiment. Okay, so I, I, I tell them. For I'm starters, do you think you're going to get more clients with the perm? I would imagine so. It's a conver- anything that's a conversation topic and that's kind of weird helps remember helps people remember you. Yeah. How long have you been hurt. licensed for? Uh, three and a half years. I feel like a little kid whenever they're telling their age, but <laughs> almost four years. Or you could say by months. You you've been doing it for thirty nine months. months. Yeah. <laughs> so, dude, you've been doing it for three and a half years, and talk me a, a little bit like. You've had a lot of success. You started with the team, but now you've been on your own for about like a year and a half. Is that correct? Yep. So what even made you want to get into real estate? I think everyone gets in, the people that get into real estate, they are like, hey, I love people. I love just chatting with people. Um, Part of it was that. I I just, I knew um, I wanted to be uh, a self, self self-reliant, whatever I, you know, you eat what you kill. Um, and so that was a big part of it. I had transitioned from a corporate job a few years back where it was just like, you're going to make this amount no matter how hard or how little you work. You're making the same amount. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of lame. And then uh, I went to a sales job where it was like, you're going to make this, but you could make this if you put in X amount of hours. And I didn't really like the job, but I liked the idea of, okay, if I work a little harder, I actually might make a little more. And then um, transitioned into the idea of real estate. I never really thought about being an agent, but my family, my father-in-law and Kate were both like, Oh, this is something you need to look into. Like you're just, you're good with people. 
Um, <clears throat> you have pretty thick skin for the most part. Uh, you don't really care what people think too much about you, which is a good, it, it, it helps. Yeah. One of the things that you and I have in common, which yeah. is good. Yeah. I don't think, like, I don't think many, f I don't I think I have very many friends that would go out and get a perm. So that's, that's kudos you. to you there. That means the world. <laughs> whole podcast is worth it so you go and get licensed what made you go into a team um is that something that you felt like it, it would help you out like what who who kind of uh gave you that idea or yeah i think it's good at the beginning um i knew some of the people on the team and so it was just i i love working with people that i love and so that's what i still like doing even right now and what i'll want to do for the rest of my life i don't think i'll ever stop working but i'll just keep working with the people I love. Um, so that's what I did. And, uh, and it was just a easier transition to work on a team. Um, you, you're in there in the same room as the people doing all the deals. So you get to see a lot more transactions really quickly. Whereas if you're on your own, you're kind of like asking people every once in a while or calling, but you're just getting all the secondhand info. It's not as useful. So your first year, how many deals did you close? First Let's call it first 18 months. First, the 18 first six months. months were just ramping up and trying yeah. to figure it out. Uh, I probably did, I think I did 40 or. Wow, that's a so lot of 41 deals. 41 in the first. Yeah, because I started in 2020, halfway through, and we, were like, and we just bought a house. We just moved to Tulsa. And so we're like, oh, great, COVID happened. Our, our house is going <coughs> to completely fall in value. And then the reverse happened. Yeah. And, um, and then I started, uh, I just loved it. I loved, uh, working with buyers, um, at the very beginning. Cause that's what you t typically do is just work with buyers. And I was just in love and I was working all the time and, uh, it was a lot of fun and Kate was super supportive and on board with it. So I was working a ton and it just clicked. And then 2020, 2021, of course was huge. Um, just naturally. Uh, so it was fun. I just leaned into it and. So the reason I was asking you how many deals you did, I wasn't really expecting 40. I mean, 40 is a lot of deals. Yeah. And, but how many deals were in your first year, in your first 18 months, were you actually uh, exposed to uh, with being in the team? That's a good question. I don't know. Probably, probably 100, 150, probably more, maybe more than that. So pretty much almost doubled or, or, or somewhat doubled, uh, well, no, no, you did over double the, the deals that you did and the deals you were exposed to, which that just only made you better. The reason I'm, I'm kind of asking this is because I, I think teams, not the team that you were specifically a part of, but I'm just teams in every brokerage have this, um, have this stereotype that, hey, I'm going to go, I don't want to go in there and make less. But a lot of the times people think, uh, don't, don't think that, that 100% of nothing is is nothing, right? Mm. But I personally, I mean, I've never been an agent myself, but when I started in the business, I actually wanted to start underneath somebody that I could learn from in order to be able to, to um, you know, get my feet wet and get, get going. But nobody wanted to hire me because I didn't have any experience. But on the real estate side, it's a little different. I recently had a friend that um, I went to high school with, I was really close with, he just got licensed and he's kind of, you know, asking me all these questions. So that's why I'm kind of curious. Um, and do you, you were in that team for about, what would you say, two years? Mm -hmm. Do you think that that was about the right time to kind of transition out? Because that's another kind of thing where people can, 
you know, maybe stay in the team too long and then they don't ever transition if they do join? Like, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think it's different. There's no perfect answer and it all depends on what your goals are, what your, how many transactions you do. I did a lot of really low volume, uh, like low price point transactions. So my average was probably half of what the Tulsa average was for homes that sold. So I think my average house sold was like 180 or 200, whereas average in Tulsa was around 350. So I, I was exposed to a lot of transactions, a lot of terrible ones, a, real, a lot of really hard ones. Um, <clears throat> and so I think I could have left earlier and been fine. I think for some people, maybe staying on a team is great. Um, you can hand it off if you want to go on vacation. If you, if, if you aren't doing a lot of volume, I think it works fine to stay on for a while. Um, I decided it was best to transition off because I knew what I was doing for the most part. And I was already doing, uh, I, I didn't mind doing some of the work that, that the team took off my plate. $180,000 uh, to some people might sound like very little because, you know, we live in a, a, a such a um, affordable city uh, that, that is compared to the rest of the country is, it's very low, but I think it's a good middle for you. You you were because of you you grew up in Enid, which I'm I'm assuming it's a lot less there. But then you lived in Hawaii for a good portion of how long did you live in Hawaii for? Just a year. A year, and then but you gone back. You go back like how often do you go back? Like once or twice a year. And then that I mean that is I think the number one most expensive place in the world. So um, did you ever? Uh, did you ever look back and say, like, I wish maybe I would have gotten licensed whenever I was still living over there? Well, I lived in California right before Hawaii. Well, boom. And, that's and number whole, one, number two. <laughs> the whole, And I was in Santa Cruz, just outside San Jose. So just outside, like, Silicon Valley, um, where everyone goes to spend the weekend. They buy their expensive home, and then they go back. So I was planning on uh, leaving California, going to Hawaii for a little bit, building a house, coming back, having some of those uh, – lessons learned and then uh and then getting my real estate license there because I was talking with an agent there and she was just prepping me and then we decided like hey figuring out the real estate license thing you may not get us I may not get a sale for six 12 months you can't really do that in California unless you come in with a lot of money and we didn't have that <clears throat> so that's what, why we decided on Tulsa I uh I don't think I wish I would have got licensed out there because, again, the cost of living is just so much higher. And even if you can buy a decent house, it's it's small. It's just a little harder for family values. And that's what our whole trajectory was, is like Kate and I sat down and said, what do we care about? It's family. We didn't have Bev yet, our daughter. But we still, like, wanted to have that. So that's what we decided on was, like, family. We're figuring things out. It's easy to figure things out in a lower uh, cost of living city like Tulsa. So that's why we came here. We're still near my family in Enid. So it's a good, it's, it's Tulsa's the best. It's a good middle for you. That's what I said. middle. I love it. So uh, it sounds like you, you kind of were wanting to get into the whole flipping thing before you even got licensed and you kind of did it the other way around when you moved to Tulsa. So what, what made you want to like go out and like do that? Like when you were in California and then going out to, to Hawaii and stuff, like build a house and stuff. Yeah. So like a lot of, uh, excited investors. I was listening to big, bigger pockets on the way to my hour commute, an hour commute home in California every day. And I was getting excited. I was like, I want to do something. 
And it was just so expensive there. And I didn't have time to go flip a house, but I wanted to learn. And I didn't even know how to use a hammer. Um, I didn't grow up in a family that did uh, a lot of handyman style stuff. So it's just, I've, I wanted to go figure it out. So that's why I go, uh, I went out to Hawaii for a year and we helped my in-laws build a house. And I learned some of the behind the scenes and I learned that you can kind of just figure stuff out if you just try. And you're probably not going to break anything. Um, and then we decided we didn't, we couldn't go do that in California. We couldn't just go buy a house. I thought you could, or bigger pockets makes it sound like you can just go buy a house. Where is that podcast from? Like, where are those guys from? Cause you're the second person that, um, I had an, I've had another guy on here that he said, that's kind of how he got his start on there too. So where, where is that located? They're, they're spread out now. Um, I don't even know where they start out, but the main guy, I think Brandon Turner, he lives out in Hawaii on Maui. Dang, so these guys are, I mean, but I'm sure they probably started, you know. Yeah, they started in like 2012. Gotcha. So they started at a good point where a lot of real estate people have started right after the crash. Yeah. And as things were starting to come you on. You could up. probably get a home in Hawaii for like 250000 or something. Probably. Like yeah, and they all moved later. So they, they didn't start out in Hawaii, but that was like their dream. So you start listening to this podcast and you're like, man, I really want to do this. You come back from Hawaii after you, you help build that house. And that's when you guys decide to move to Tulsa. Yeah. How long until after you got licensed and from, I mean, doing 40 transactions in one year, even if you're part of a team that's helping you, that is still a lot of transactions. So when, I'm assuming you probably had little to no time to when did you start your flipping, uh, your first flip and, and so on? Well, our, whenever we were first coming to Tulsa, um, we worked with an agent who I actually joined his team. I was like, hey, I like what you do. Um, what's your team like? So that's the team that I ended up joining. But that agent helped me choose between a few different houses. We were just the typical first-time buyers that were like, we want this perfect fixer-upper and at 150000 or less, but we want it to be livable. At that time, it was a little more realistic, but we were still pretty unrealistic. And he's like, okay, well, that's probably not going to happen, but here's some stuff. <laughs> Everything had, like, structural issues. We went to one in Broken Arrow that I think had, a had like, a gunshot inside. There was just, like, a, pot, a splatter of blood on the wall oh that we thought God. it was blood. We're like, oh, this would be a, a good starter home. I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing, but let's start with this one. It felt like a skate park inside. Like, whenever you were walking, you were kind of walking along ramps. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I could probably, I've, I've hammered a few things. I've used a nail gun. I could probably fix structural issues. Um, we decided no on that house. It was some foreclosure. Does we somebody have to disclose if somebody has been murdered in the house? No. They don't have to. No. You can look it up. But, yeah. You don't How would you look that up? It. I mean, it's not going to be on the Tulsa County. It's something like people like died in this house.com. I don't know. It's <laughs> something weird. And there's a lot of scammy stuff out there, so I really don't know. I just you just brought the blood, and I'm just like I, that would have been my first thing. Is like someone literally just got shot here. Before. Yeah, it looks like someone walked in the front door, and you look down the hallway to the right, and at the very end of the hallway, just right where the head would be, is just like a shadow of kind of red stuff that got wiped off. We're like, oh. or maybe it was a uh, skateboarding accident <laughs> from all the ramps. Maybe so. Whatever it was, it was good. Um, but he ended up showing us a house that was way out of our budget. And again, we didn't even have jobs. Kate was making money on <laughs> Etsy. Um, she's an artist and sells all sorts of stuff. So she was our breadwinner, um, at the time, which was so nice, relieved all the pressure off me. <laughs> uh, you're like, we should have a kid for sure. Right yeah, now. <laughs> this is the perfect time. <laughs> we should buy a house, have a kid. Uh, so 
we we found a house that was uh, in Midtown, and it was way out of our budget. But he's like, "This is a good neighborhood. It's on the up and up." He's like, "I know it's more expensive, but just just let's take a look." And it was the perfect house. It's like all you need to do is paint, basically, um, and you can make it as cute as you want, and it'll the value will go up. Um, and so we we're like, "Well, we'll stretch a little bit. We'll figure it out, but let's go for this." So we went for that house. Um, and a lot of people that are asking are probably like, how did you, 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 neither of you had jobs, but you bought a house. How did we do that? So we had a co-signer. We made things okay, a lot simpler. Gotcha. Um, just for anyone out there who's wondering. Uh, so we bought that house. Best decision. I was planning on fixing it up. And I think in the first week I like did some repairs and I, I probably messed some things up. Um, I remember uh, we, I, I didn't realize you could like turn off the water at the water meter at the front. I was trying to make a re- repair uh, at the laundry and I, and this, uh, the hose bib thing had just, it was cracked and it shot off. And so the water just started pouring out. This was again, like the first week we're there. It's, it's in the garage. It is water just shooting out so much. And, uh, I start just I, basically screaming probably. And I was like, Kate, hey, get in here, help me out. And she comes in. I think by the end of it, we were both crying cause we were just like, felt hopeless. It was the, yeah, it's probably the most hopeless I've ever felt. <coughs> um, and I was like, man, this whole flipping thing. Uh, I don't know if this is this is something I should be doing, or at least I shouldn't be doing the work. I can't even, like, change a hose bib, and I don't even know where the <laughs> water meter is. And that was, like, our first week, and I'm like, this is dumb. What are we doing? What am I doing? On and a house that's pretty much, like, oh, it was like they didn't need it. Yeah. No, it was the stupidest <laughs> fix. I mean, someone... <laughs> Just turn off the water. That's my biggest thing is like, turn off the water before you do anything. Turn off the power before you change any electrical. And uh, so, no, and know where your water shutoff is. We ended up getting it fixed after, I don't know how long, and our water bill shot up. But it was a fun learning lesson. Uh, most stressful time of my life. But that house ended up just appreciating because of just natural appreciation from COVID and prices going up. And we were like, oh, we did that on purpose. We knew what we were doing. Shot up a ton. Kate ended up, I will give credit, Kate ended up doing 95% of the work to that house. Seriously? Because I was doing real estate agent stuff. So um, I, I had her help me with all that. She did all the painting. She did everything. So would you say awesome. that's the first house that you guys flipped? Yeah. Okay. No, all, long story short, that was our first flip. And we, we she did it um, herself. So... Can't and then just that. for some perspective, you guys bought that house for how much and sold it for how much and in, in, in what amount of time? We bought it. It was a, uh, we bought it for 187 and then we sold it for 287, two years later. A hundred thousand dollars for pretty much doing. We probably put like five thousand. Five thousand dollars into it. Five to eight thousand dollars. But in reality, you being an agent and knowing that like, did how much would you've lost out of this hundred thousand dollars if you wouldn't have put those five thousand in? Uh, it would have been way uglier. It would probably would have been like fifty thousand less, maybe. So, you, so five thousand dollars could bring you an extra fifty thousand dollars worth of profit. And I'm not counting Kate's labor hours. Her labor hours are probably worth two hundred fifty an hour. So maybe <laughs> it was a twenty-five thousand dollar project. No, um, I mean you would have had to pay someone. But still, it would have been maybe 10 grand, maybe. Yeah. Dang. 
Yeah. That is crazy that 5000 to $10,000 can bring you an extra $50,000 worth of yeah. profit. And again, that was at a time where we got lucky. I mean, we made, I felt like wise decisions, but we got a little lucky with the appreciation. So if that was your first flip and you kind of didn't have the best experience, was it the, was it the profit that made you say like, we got to keep doing this or like what motivated you to kind of keep going? We put a pause on that for a long time and really didn't think too much about it. We're like, I never want to live in a house that we're going to fix up again. Um, and then I think that's a, most people's learning lesson. And it's good to learn that emotionally rather than someone tell you because you never understand it till yeah. you do it. Um, so we waited because I was just doing the real estate stuff and working so much. And I loved it. But I was working way too much. Or not way too much, but so much. And so it wasn't for two years later where I was starting to kind of get into into these investment groups and talking with other people who were doing flips or doing buy and holds. And I really didn't have the idea of doing a flip because I'm like, you just, you flip, you fix up a house, you put all this time in and then you sell it, you make a profit, but then that's just taxed and it's gone. Like that's, you got to do it again. So I was like, I don't want to flip. That just sounds dumb. And then bigger pockets wasn't really about flipping. Flipping isn't technically investing because you're not holding on to anything. And so it wasn't for a long time um, until I started hanging out with people and I was like, hey, I want to, Kate and I were like, we want to start getting some rentals now. And so that was our idea. And so I talked to another agent who, uh, she had this investment property on um, Kendall Whittier area. Yeah. We ended up buying it for 85 and we're just like, let's just figure this out. It had some old inspections. I didn't even get inspections done, but she bought it two years ago. I was like, I'll trust those inspections for a hundred-year-old house. Can't be that much different two years later. So <clears throat> we just, we went ahead and just bought it. There was already a renter living in there for a few more months. And then we, we did the work on that for about three months. Um, again, planning on renting it. So we designed it as a rental. We didn't make it flashy like a flip. We just did it pretty basic, um, and then uh, we, as I'm going on Zillow and looking at rentals and stuff, again, I don't deal with rentals a ton, so I don't feel experienced. When it comes to selling houses and comps, I feel confident and experienced, but with the rentals, I'm just like, I don't know what we could get for this. I'm not, I didn't feel that good about the price that we were hoping to get, and like covering the mortgage plus extra, and that night, I was just like, what if we just sold this? And I thought it was like some amazing idea. And Kate's <laughs> like, Josh, I've literally been telling you we should sell this this whole entire time. I'm like, well, you were right. I don't think I said you were right. I, I rarely do. But <laughs> um, but she was right. And uh, so we, we just decided to go ahead and sell it. And we sold it in March. Um, we uh, sold it once. And then people asked for a few different things. And it fell through. The financing ended up falling through. Um, and then we sold it again, like right after that. And, uh, at this time I was already looking for another one, but we ended up closing on that one and made about 42,000. Um, how much did you spend on in their model? So we bought it for about 85, put, uh, 30 to 35 for the entire cost of the project plus holding costs. So everything from like having the house for six months, the mortgage, the insurance taxes, and then the actual remodel was around 35. And did you guys hire a lot of the labor out this we time? Hired everything. Everything. Yeah, yeah, except landscaping. I did a little landscaping. I can I can put mulch down like, like a king. <laughs> I need to invite you over sometime. Well, and I thought I could put mulch down. I didn't realize you had to use a weed 
bar- barrier. I thought if you just put mulch down, it would cover up grass and everything started. Gr- it was horrible. So I, but now I've learned my lesson. How how often are you supposed to change mulch? Do you know that answer? It's how, uh, there's probably a technical answer, and then there's a like an eyeball. Yeah, like you could probably do once a year. To, or I don't think I changed years. the mulch in my in, in our house for I don't know a couple of years. Well, if you put a weed barrier down the cloth. Dude, I'm so intrigued by this because you sound a lot like me whenever, like, I I don't even, I want to hire somebody to hang a picture on my house. Like, I don't, I'm not about that life. I like doing it, but. I I like it just until I get frustrated and then I just want to put stuff down. Yesterday, um, Destiny got me this cold tub for Christmas and, you know, easiest thing to put together. But then there was the, the thermometer and. I was even having a hard time putting that together. And I was just getting frustrated. I was like, we need to just, we need to just send this back. We just need to get another one that's more simple. Because yeah. it, it was, it was like a two part thing that's, you're supposed to be able to tell how much, how cold it is out there with, and I, it just, it didn't, it still doesn't work. And I'm frustrated by it. But so it just, it just blows my mind that you were intrigued to, to do all of that. But the answer is that you just hire everything out and you can still make profit out of it. My question to you, $42,000 with all expenses in profit, $6,000 in, how many hours do you think you guys both worked a week in that project? So what was great is we were kind of just fumbling along, figuring out what our strengths and weaknesses were in that because Kate and I just didn't, we just bought the house um, and kind of figured it out along the way. So Kate did a lot of the design, the picking the colors um, ordering everything off Amazon or Home Depot or wherever, and then I would go drop it off. I'd go check on the house probably way too often, but I just wanted to make sure. And I wanted to kind of have that sense of control and not any – I didn't want anything to go wrong. So uh, that's a good question. I probably spent 100-something, 100 100-ish hours at that house, I'm guessing, or just in total thinking about it, probably more than that. 100 hours for the entire duration of the six months? I could be very wrong, but off the top of my head, it's probably more than that. I will admit that it would take me a while to try to calculate that. That's why we have a calculator. I don't want to do that. You were you were working <laughs> about half an hour every single day. That's probably true on that. Yeah, I didn't do that much. To make um, 42K, yeah, I mean. The first three months, I did nothing because we had a renter in there. So it was the last three months. It was January to March where we had people go in there. I didn't work that much. That's pretty good. It was the best. And then so that, I'm assuming, get, gave you some confidence, and you were like, let's get it going. And yeah. you, how long did you, until you bought your next one? Um, it was right after we got that one under contract. We got two others under contract. So something that you mentioned that I want to I wanna hit on is that you said, you know, you make this money, then you get taxed on it. But if you use those profits to go buy another house, you don't get taxed on it at all. So is that kind of what you guys did there on the second project? If you use those profits and do a formal 1031 exchange. Oh, you have to do a formal, like a a true formal 1031. Yeah. And there's, for the size of projects we're doing, it doesn't really make sense. There's probably people out there that disagree or maybe someone could teach me. Um, but for the most part, you don't just do because that. of the attorney work that you that goes into that's it. That's just how the federal the, lo- the law is set up. They want you to do a ten thirty one. They want you to like identify another project to buy into, 
um, that you're going to use the profits on. Uh, so that's that's the only way you can defer the taxes into your next investment. And then you just got to keep doing that until... The only loophole around that is like your guys' first flip, which was your primary home. If you live in that for two years, then you could do up to half a million dollars essentially with the spouse if yeah. you guys filed together. So, dang, that's really... I, I did not, I, I thought it was for any piece of real estate. No, you have to go through the process. And there's probably thing, ways around that. There's ways to offset it just by, we had tons of expenses and we we ended up buying more houses. So we brought our uh, expenses really high this whole year. And then our income was, our income's offset by all those expenses. So this year, you you, you still had a pretty good year in a down year but you've shifted a lot of your business to doing flips. Mm -hmm. So what, what made you do that? So my, what was fun is the first year I did right, right around 42 transactions. The second year, I think I did 30, 33. Um, this year I probably did like 25. So the transactions went down. My volume stayed almost identical every year. 10 million the first year, 10 million the second year, 10 million this year. It was almost identical, and I couldn't quite get over that ten million mark, but I didn't really care. So this year, I wanted to I wanted to just diversify because I just feel like I don't want to get stuck um, just doing the real estate agent thing. Because what if people just what if demand goes away? What if um, people stop selling houses? Just what if? And so uh, I I shifted more into enjoying the flips because I'm like I have I have extra time. I can do the half hour a day thing to do a flip that makes forty thousand. Or to eventually do the rentals because we, we have the same guys. We could just transition into rentals if it makes sense for that house. And that's more what we've decided to do. Each one we've shifted. So our first one we planned on keeping as a rental until the day we uh, were going to rent it. And then we decided to sell it. Our second one we were going to sell. Day we, uh, we had actually went, went under contract, had some negotiations. Again, it didn't work out. We were like, let's just rent this. So we switched. So you never know. Uh, it's kind of fun because um, we just try to stay uh, flexible just depending on what, what seems right for the house. So it sounds like a podcast is what kind of got you started on this trajectory. What has kept you um, like, what, do you have like mentors or like what, what are you kind of listening to to kind of keep up to date with everything that's going on just because everything is constantly changing and um, and then just to be able to get better at, at your craft like what what are some of the things that you're doing local people just networking talking to people texting friends like hey is this a good idea or hey what are you doing with this or hey where are you finding guys or how are you finding deals so just asking around and just doing it because um, I figured I realized on that first one is just doing it most people don't take that first step because they're scared there's so many unknowns um, and you just got to go for it especially if you as long as you have some income coming in and you're not, it's not going to kill you. Just kind of go for it and figure it out. You'll there's just think of the worst case scenario. And if that will, if that won't absolutely sink you, then maybe just go for it. Um, so I just, we just keep learning stuff on each house. Um, we've done seven total this year. So we did that one over six months and now we did, we've bought um, six more. Since then, we're trying to double that for 2024. So part of the reason why I wanted you to come on and talk a little bit about this is because 
you and, and you know what's funny is that a lot of people i think just in about every industry but especially in in flipping and stuff they people think that so many people just want to hoard that information and they don't want to share it but the reality is that people are you just have to ask and then people are more than willing to give you that information because the the truth is that most people are not going to do the work yeah that's exactly right so you go on you're at one of your flips you're doing you know whatever and you just did a story and you're like hey you know if you guys have any questions let me know i'd be happy to kind of pay it forward what were some of those questions that came in like or what are some of the questions that you you get from people that are just kind of curious that are maybe like things that you think that a lot of people are just unsure of most of it is how do you find guys i think people are the labor the labor yeah which that can be pretty sketchy that is the hardest part it's how to find people how to find you're like you have to learn spanish (laughs) or have a friend that speaks spanish yeah i can say that because i'm mexican it's not racist guys come on (laughs) Um, no i am trying to start learning spanish because it would go a long way we'll see um, but it's it's how do you find the deals? How do you find the money to do the deals? That's a big one. Yeah. Because a lot of people think, like, I'm a lender. They're like, yeah, let's just call Will and get this thing started. But it's like, ah, uh, I don't really, I mean, I don't really touch a lot of those deals. I mean, I recently kind of dove into a separate program that we have. But even that, it's a little bit difficult. So, yeah, talk, talk to me a little about that. Like, how... How easy or how hard is it to kind of get the money, especially not as you get started? Because I'm a, yeah, when you get started, it's a, a lot easier than as you're kind of buying seven houses. So talk to me a little about that. It's easier and harder. It's easier if you have a big down payment because there's a lot of banks that do that. It's harder if you're needing to get uh, creative up front and you're just like, I have no money. I need to figure this out. It is harder because you have to find people that are giving you no money. Uh, that means that you don't really have a lot of skin in the game. And so they need to see some track record. And so you need to develop a little bit of a track record before you get the people that are going to, that are going to back you without you putting a lot of skin in the game, if that makes sense. Yeah. So up front initially, just expect to have a down payment on the 20% on the house. probably yeah, 10, 20, whatever that is. Um, so you need to have some equity in the house. Um, later on, people are going to, you can start talking to some smaller banks that can become a little more flexible with that. And maybe you can, uh, uh, maybe can come in with zero down. That's what we've done for several of ours. Makes it a lot easier to, to scale faster. But you do hit a point where you, you have to stop and maybe find access to other banks, whatever that is. But that, again, is just another thing where I just ask people. And I just use networking. And it's not hard, but you just got to ask around. Keep asking people, hey, what banks do you use? What do you like? What do you not like? Who should I not use? What should I be careful of? So it's just asking and that's what I've done for everything. Hey, do you have guys for X, Y, Z, whatever it is? Just so just asking. Uh, talking about financing too. Another thing that that a lot of people might not know, which I'm I'm sure you probably maybe done this, but especially since you you're not a hundred percent sure, like you said, we could call an audible and this flip could turn into a rental or this rental could turn into a flip. If you have, let's say, something that you're thinking that you're wanting to hold, and you say, I think I'm just gonna. Uh, excuse me, if you have something that you're wanting to flip and then you say, hey, I think I think this would be good for me to hold, but now your money's tied up, you you can actually go out and do like a cash out refinance on the new value on that. And then at that point, that makes that that uh, tax-free money because it's a, it's a loan on that. Have you done that on, on any of your deals? Uh, we're in the process of doing that on a couple. What I 
uh, we're getting further and further away from 2008, and people are Not some people are more expecting it to happen because we're so far, and other people are forgetting that it happened. Um, and, and not just that, but there's been other corrections in the market. Um, and so I'm a little hesitant to always try to just do a cash out refi immediately and just get, uh, get a high loan to value. Cause I, d- I want a lot of equity in each house. I want to have that safety, safety net, just in case something does change and the value drops 10, 20, 30%. I don't want to be, um, upside down in the loan. So that's why we've kind of been hesitant to do cash out refis. We've been, we want to make sure our deal is good enough that the, we don't have to do that uh, immediately. What's the highest loan to value that you've heard that you can do a cash out on? Cause normally like on my end, I only see about 80% for a primary and mm-hmm. then only about 65 to 70 on an investment. So what, what, like with the lenders that you work with, what's the highest cash out that you've seen? That's probably about right. 80 to 85 is probably. Which you still have about 20% uh, yeah. of it. But people also forget that, um, like go back to the 100000 that you made from your first house. That That's the profit. But then um, a lot of people talk about their profit without including like the fees of like an agent, which, you know, thankfully you're licensed um, to where that could go, be up to 6%. And then maybe paying closing costs, all that stuff. So, so it's taking all that stuff into consideration. So, um, yeah, that's uh, a good point there too. But I mean, everything—is there anything that you're seeing that 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 is getting us closer to the 2008? Just because, I mean, I, there's just very, very few people that are doing pretty much what you're doing as far as flips. And you have all these people that have just so much equity in their home that they just own one or two houses on that. Mm-hmm. Is there any things that you're like, what are some things that you're seeing that you could think that the only thing I can think of is per is debt. People are getting higher and higher in debt. We just hit a trillion dollars worth of credit card, just credit card debt in yeah. the US as of like, I think it was four months ago or something. It's just yeah. crazy. Yeah. So all the credit card stuff is scary. I'm not, obviously I'm not uh, opposed to normal debt that actually works for you like houses, but getting the personal credit card debt, ramped up that is kind of scary because then it's tough then you can't pay your mortgage so i can see the domino effect happening there i'm not worried about it right now yeah but i just don't want to always be in the mindset that it won't happen and try to i don't want to be naive i lean more conservative than i than probably a lot of the people around me um so even in in my houses i'm always like it's probably going to cost this much and put like 20 percent uh margins on it just in case it something happens but for the most part i come way under budget on all all of uh, all of our flips and then for example you were just talking about all the costs that go into selling the house no one thinks about that when they're doing a flip and it's expensive to sell a house and so you have the your closing costs from agents which i think you should use i'm probably biased but i still i still pay the buyer's agent the full amount uh and then you have your title company costs and you have some other little taxes and stuff so yeah, it's, a, it's expensive, and I you want to lean conservative on all that stuff and make sure you're putting plenty of cushion whenever you're buying a house. Yeah, I think a lot of people uh, underestimate it and think like, oh, I'm going to make you know this much, and they come 20,000, 30,000 short or mm-hmm. even 10,000 short or whatever. So, um, yeah, that's, that is a good thing, though, that of what the market has done in the last few years is that let's put you back in the situation when you first bought your house, let's say you're a completely different couple, you and your wife, and 
And instead of doing what you guys did, you guys, all you guys did was get into that credit card debt. Even in the first couple of years, what you can do there is you, you can either sell the house, get the money, which I actually have a friend that, that did that. He ended up selling his house, got the equity, pay off all his debt, and then got another house that pretty much was the downgrade, but it was the same payment for him. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing too, is if you have enough equity, you can just refinance. And even though your payment is going to go high because of your uh, higher interest rate, because you may be close whenever it was two to 3%, uh, your overall monthly expenses are, are lower because you ended up using that money to pay off all that debt. So that's why I just, it's hard for me to think that some that, that we're closer rather than getting away from 2007, 2008. And also because lending is just getting so much more, even with those smaller banks. But so, man, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate you, especially the perm again. Guys, if you guys haven't, uh, you know, tune in to, to take a look at this awesome hair. And uh, what is what is one of the the best pieces of advice you've ever received um, that you, you think has has made you who you are as far as just kind of wanting to think outside the box? I feel that a lot of people are where you started. They're like in a job where they are only getting paid uh, a salary and that's it, no matter how much they're working. Some others might be in, in a sales job, like the second job you had. But I think a lot of people feel comfortable in that and they want that, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other people that kind of have the mindset that you did of like, I don't want to do this forever. Like I want to get paid for what I'm actually worth. Don't want to do that because of uh, the risk, higher risk, but high risk, high reward. So what, what is some advice that kind of pushed you through, through your journey of kind of taking more risk, um, in order to get that bigger reward? It didn't feel like a ton of risk. Everything's an investment. So sometimes when you're not making money, it's because you're investing in yourself, you're investing in knowledge, whatever it is. So our first 12 months of moving to Tulsa, uh, was an investment. Like we stopped making much money at all but it, it rose exponentially after that. So it's just think of think of the those short times as investment periods and don't think of them as losses or necessarily risks. Um, just think of them as investment times and your knowledge. Um, and then focus on what your your future goals are with your whether that's family related, you want to spend time with family, have kids, uh, have some second house, whatever that is, think of what your, your future is. Um, and maybe leaving your corporate job isn't, isn't the right thing. Maybe that's not what you care about because you enjoy it. Uh, so just think through what your future is. That's what Kate and I did. Um, that's why we decided to come to Tulsa. That's why we decided to give up 12 months of dual income, um, to just figure things out because now we feel like we're, we're at the spot where our vision was, is heading. Um, and so, yeah, just uh, think of, don't think of those as losses, but just think of them as, as investing in, in your future. Love that. So it's reframing um, what you're wanting to do and then knowing your why pretty much of, yeah. of why you're wanting to do it. Just because a lot of the, the people that do it, they want to do it for the money. And yeah. and that can't just drive you the entire time to, to for all the ups and downs because there's, there's a lot of downs that people don't don't realize. But, man, thanks so much for coming. Where, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram. You can call or text me anytime. There we go. Just message me on Instagram, Facebook. You can find me around. What's Tulsa. your handle? What's your handle? 
Josh.Schreiner. There you go. All and right, Josh. I'm around Panera every day. $11 a month, <laughs> free unlimited coffee. I'm at every Panera in Tulsa. It's Wait, they have a membership? Oh, yeah. It's a club. I, I call it a club. <laughs> I I was going to say, I there's been a couple times I called you and you're... Uh, I'm always at my office at Panera. A Panera. Yeah, Panera's the Dang. best. Everyone's talking about houses at Panera. Really? Oh, everyone's... Uh, all the... I won't call them old people. <laughs> Elderly. They're always talking about moving. And if I needed, if I really wanted to go after business, I'd just go sit and just, hey, heard you were talking about selling your house. How many hours do you think you spend at Panera every All day? All my hours. Probably three or four a day. Every single day? Every day. Every morning I go to Panera. Different one. It's always unique, always fun. You see Dang. the same crowd. That's where fun fact. Do you know what Panera, st- what the name of Panera was when it first started? St. Louis Bread Co. Yeah, it's my my in-laws live in St. Louis. I just got back from there and uh, all the parents over there still say St. Louis Bread Co. Yeah, bro. Thanks so much for coming on. It was Thank fun. Thank you. It's awesome.